This is Grant Smith, Research Director of IRMEP. Today I want to talk about James Bamford's book, Spy Fail, Foreign Spies, Moles, Saboteurs, and the Collapse of America's Counterintelligence. The book is published by 12, a division of Hatchet Book Group. It came out in January 17 of this year. And the hardcover is almost 500 pages. It hasn't gotten too much mainstream press, and I think there are reasons for that that we can discuss. If you've heard about it at all, it's maybe because of excerpts in The Nation magazine and later Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman, which focus on Israeli intercepts of the DNC hacked emails and an apparent Israeli attempt to leverage advanced knowledge of those documents to help Donald Trump win. But the things that I found to be compelling from the perspective of Israel lobbying and espionage, which go hand in hand in the United States, uh, are a number of chapters, nine chapters to be specific, fully devoted to the impunity of Israel, its spies, and the U.S.-Israel lobby, which is responsible for that impunity. If you've Red Bamford, you know that he's America's premier chronicler of the formerly ultra-secretive National Security Agency, formerly before Edward Snowden and others have revealed even more uh, recently than Bamford's early books, uh, what the NSA actually does. Uh, But uh, the Puzzle Palace, the Shadow Factory, really... Uh, made Bamford the expert on the NSA. And what I found interesting about this book is that unlike most authors published through fairly mainstream publishing houses, Bamford has not held back once again in exposing extremely damaging and behind-the-scenes exploits of Israel and its lobby in this very damning look at U.S. counterintelligence, but once more, the conditions under which they operate, which is always permissiveness and uh, attempts to shut down any due uh, examination of what Israel is up to in the United States. So that's something uh, Bamford has been fairly consistent on yet remains shocking to some reviewers. Uh, If you look through the Amazon website, uh, you'll see that the second most prominent reviewer, uh, reader reviewer at least, was shocked and had to lower the number of stars that they give Bamford because of his sort of unrelenting criticism of Israel. In fact, uh, Mark Van Klee writes, Buyer beware. I purchased this expecting to read about issues with U.S. counterintelligence. I did not expect a full-throated anti-Israel screed completely devoid of nuance or historical context. So, you know, I don't know what possible accurate historic content would 
uh, eliminate some of Bamford's extremely damning findings. Maybe this reviewer will write a book and explain that. Uh, but overall, I think the chapters of interest are critical right now because they really dive into the corruption, both in the United States uh, and in Israel, between Hollywood billionaire movie producer Arnon Milchan and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, that is at the heart of the current crisis that could turn into a civil war and rip Israel apart. And I was surprised that this uh, set of revelations in the book is not front and center on some of the alternative media uh, reviews of the book. I don't know, maybe it's still too early. But what's going on right now, even though there's a lull in kind of a, an attempt to fix things behind the scenes as Netanyahu attempts to enact some judicial reforms that will allow him to escape uh, corruption uh, prosecutions that have been ongoing against him. That's in a lull right now, but they're the center issue as far as what he's trying to do. And of course, you're not going to see that in the New York Times or the Washington Post. Nobody's going to bring Bamford's very skillful chronicling of what Netanyahu and Milchan did and what they're now trying to cover up, even though they've had a bit of a falling out, according to Bamford's book, uh, to get uh, out of the accountability for that and uh, at least create a more powerful, judicial, review-free uh, country, which already lacks a constitution, but uh, which will be free to completely ignore and override Supreme Court findings and restraints on the Knesset. The most scandalous episodes chronicled in Spy Fail, then, are these stunning new details about Hollywood movie producer Arnon Milchan's espionage and weapons smuggling operations targeting the United States and how his plea for help from Benjamin Netanyahu has largely uh, contributed to these current contortions in Israel while being completely ignored in the United States. Bamford follows Milchan's history, his sordid history, uh, his profitable history, propping up apartheid South Africa through very highly lucrative weapons dealings and, more important, propaganda, including the production of feel-good theatrical works depicting exploited blacks in the diamond and gold mines and other bottom rungs of society as being happy with their lot in South Africa. So Milchan, you know, in addition to producing Seven Years a Slave and Pretty Woman and The Revenant, uh, wanted in his early uh, works to help Americans better understand that apartheid in South Africa was not a problem. Milton was later recruited into Israel's Bureau of Scientific Relations, which was the euphemism for the LACOM spy agency, which was responsible for scouring the world and most particularly the United States to steal 
technology and secrets that would be useful to the Israeli nuclear weapons program. So at his particular entry into Lakam as a spy uh, with Benjamin Blumberg and Shimon Perez, uh, who were, again, trying to accelerate the Israeli nuclear weapons program, Israel had already stolen with the collaboration of a plant full of Zionist Organization of America operatives in Apollo, Pennsylvania, called the Nuclear Equipment and Equipment the Nuclear Materials and Equipment Corporation. Because they had already stolen enough nuclear material for a dozen atomic bombs, Milton was tasked to obtain high-speed switches that could provide precisely timed pulses to trigger a detonation. And Milton, in turn, used his star power to recruit the very hapless, unskilled in terms of espionage, Richard Kelly Smith, to set up the front company, Milko, which Smith indicated it was simply a conjunction of Milchan Company. Wow, what a great way to put together a stealth front to smuggle <laughs> nuclear weapons technology. Anyway... Richard Kelly Smith, who was a down-and-out businessman who was trying to take over his father-in-law's refrigerator company and not having much luck being a businessman, but had some really good ins with some uh, military-industrial corporations, was bedazzled by the stars and starlets at uh, Milchan's Hollywood parties. And so he set up a front company for Milchan, started taking orders for prohibited items, export prohibited items. Specifically, Smith provided the triggers in addition to other export prohibited items, uh, but the triggers required to detonate nuclear weapons. Smith was a bad spy. He always managed to give away according to Bamford, what he was doing to vigilant federal government authorities. Smith, but not Milchan, was eventually indicted and fled overseas. When he sought help, Milchan basically ghosted him while working to stay ahead of the law. Milchan benefited from mainstream press support to spread uh, the idea that the billionaire had no idea what was going on in his global network of companies. He was a hands-off manager, blah, blah, blah. And perhaps the most valuable diversion, as we discussed uh, before, was the New York Times' Tom Friedman, who quickly got wind of the Smith indictment for uh, pro exporting prohibited items and promoted Milchan's innocence in the New York Times. Well, Bamford mentions the Netanyahu-Milchan connection. He doesn't really delve into what is the most damning part of this smuggling network. Uh, the smuggling network was called Project Pinto. That was its code name given by Israel. It doesn't delve into Smith's revelation that Israel's current prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, actually worked inside one of the Project Pinto smuggling companies in Israel called Heli Trading Company. So Richard Kelly Smith, much later, when he was finally interrogated by FBI investigators, 
openly said, yes, he was talking to Benjamin Netanyahu. Netanyahu was in this smuggling corporation, which was executing purchase orders from the Israeli Ministry of Defense for export-controlled items that Smith over at Milko misclassified as pentodes, not krytrons, and exported. So he was basically telling all of the export control authorities that, no, these are actually harmless uh, vacuum tubes and not these highly sophisticated switches that could be used, again, to trigger nuclear weapons. It was very critical at this juncture in Israel's nuclear weapons development that they had better technologies for their detonators. Milton even told Smith that he'd like him to just drop the whole ruse of miscategorizing the switches and just run them over to the California-based Israeli consulate so that then they could take them out of the country in their diplomatic pouches. But Smith who was, again, a terrible agent for the spy Milchen to be running, never wanted to do that. And although they were urgent, they really needed these to upgrade their weapons, he refused to do it that way. Ultimately, because he was such a bad spy, Smith was finally caught. He was indicted. Although the FBI and other investigators took a really close look at Milchen, including looking at who's who to see just how he figured into the upper stratosphere of American society, uh, learning that he was a billionaire and how connected he was, uh, ultimately indicted Smith. Netanyahu basically burned Smith. Uh, When Smith was indicted, he basically washed his hands of him. He didn't answer his phone calls anymore. And so Smith and his wife packed up their bags and left the United States on the run overseas to avoid being prosecuted and sent to jail. And this is where the Chronicle gets very detailed. Uh, it's, it's very obvious that Bamford was in uh, close touch with uh, people with firsthand knowledge of the Smith saga. They were very resentful that they were burn listed. They were very resentful that Milchan cut a deal at a higher level through help from the Israeli government and that he was taken care of. He wasn't going to be indicted or go to jail, but Smith would have to take the fall. And he resented that. And so a lot of details are poured into Bamford's book about just how poorly they were treated how economically devastating this was, and basically how the Israelis and Milchan hung them out to dry. But there was a form of karma that came in, because just as Milchan burned Smith, he was burned by Netanyahu. And the reason he was burned by Netanyahu is that Milchan pressed Benjamin Netanyahu to pressure the U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry to issue him a 10-year visa to continue living in the United States, earning millions of dollars, and dodging taxes, as Bamford mentions in his chronicle. The State Department had gotten wind of Milchan and 
only extended his visa to be in the United States for one year. And this would have been devastating for Milchan's cash cow as a embedded Hollywood producer to make big budget movies and earn those revenues and be able to continue with his operations and support of the Israeli government using these massive infusions of cash from the United States. So the State Department refused to renew his visa. And he had to press Benjamin Netanyahu to pressure U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry to issue a 10-year visa, which John Kerry eventually folded and gave it to him, much to the detriment of any sort of non-proliferation rhetoric that's constantly advanced by the United States that, uh, you know, we're serious about nuclear proliferation and are going to be serious about not uh, acquiescing to any sort of network that's proliferating technologies out of the United States and into the Middle East. Well, that's exactly what Israel had been doing for decades. And John Kerry, as Bamford chronicles it for this case and others, was aware of the political pressures involved and basically uh, collapsed and issued the visas. The State Department was and is completely unwilling to discuss its visa decisions under any sort of FOIA exercise, so they're well covered uh, not to have any damning documents uh, out about why they put one of Israel's top nuclear spies who had actually done tremendous harm to the United States, why they're willing to put him back in Hollywood, earning billions of dollars. But the karmic aspects of Milton Burning Smith uh, returned, and Netanyahu began pumping Milton for endless boxes of expensive cigars, which he called leaves, and his wife pumped Milton for endless cases of $400 per bottle champagne, bubbles as she called them, and other gifts such as jewelry in exchange for the already granted visa favor. And this led to a massive fallout as Terry Gilliam, uh, the creator of the movie Brazil and others have testified, Milton is notoriously stingy. He will not release money. He will not honor promises of payments if he can possibly avoid it. And he really resented Netanyahu's pressing him for constant favors in the form of these gifts. And Bamford's depiction of this shakedown is just as detailed as it is relentless. You get a real feeling for how Netanyahu and his wife uh, operates on a private level with their so-called allies. But to cut to the chase, the resultant Israeli corruption cases against Netanyahu have been ongoing, and they specifically focus in on these gifts from Milchan to Netanyahu as the... uh, key evidence in the corruption charges against Netanyahu. And so he has 
put in a set of judicial reforms that he wants to enact, which would give him and his coalition the power to shut these corruption investigations down. Netanyahu's initiative to do this, if you've been reading the news recently, has torn Israel apart. There have been massive protests in the street, thousands and thousands of Israelis pouring out, protesting the attempts to take judicial oversight out of the system and has been accurately described as placing Israel on the verge of civil war. So the protesters are seeking to stop the gutting of court oversight. Uh, This hasn't obviously been seen as any sort of real preservation of justice anywhere except for the pages of the New York Times and Washington Post and pro-Israel think tanks. You know, you'll see the Hudson Institute or American Enterprise chronicling this as just a vast demonstration of democracy in Israel. Uh, Of course, none of these court um, decisions have really uh, advanced human rights for Palestinian or help them with their property rights or human rights attempts uh, to get redress. So, you know, as Max Blumenthal and others have chronicled, it's essentially an inter-Israeli fight over details about how the ongoing settler colonization is going to be run. It has nothing really to do for uh, democracy or justice in terms of this occupied population that has been continually uh, colonized and cleansed since 1948. But it is a major, major development, particularly with all of the other things going on in the region that we've been talking about, such as Saudi Arabia's breakaway and surprising, or at least to the Israel lobby and the U.S. Treasury Department, surprising willingness to deal with China as a peace negotiator and resume relations with Iran, which we've talked about uh, previously. So Americans who read and fully digest spy fail will come away with many new insights uh, about Bamford's central point, which is how the politicization of American counterintelligence produces media frenzies and media misdirection. Heroes like Milchan, scapegoats such as Maria Butina, a Russian caught up in Russiagate um, entrapment, and continually how the uh, intelligence, counterintelligence uh, community is steered clear of Israel's hugely damaging covert intelligence operations against the U.S. Uh, This is something that new evidence like this and a rehashing of old evidence in a very skillful way is very enlightening. It's something we've been looking at uh, since getting documents of Jewish agency weapons smuggling and espionage against the U.S. starting in the 1940s. Bamford doesn't go quite that far back, but he does pin the impunity that we've seen in decades and decades of declassifying documents squarely on the Israel lobby and the oversized undue role it plays in the financing of political careers of the always compliant U.S. politicians and their political appointees who 
winnow their way into office. The book is not perfect. Uh, there's some things I didn't like about the book. I've seen uh, in other Bamford books, you know, he's always talking about people on this floor of the NSA glancing up over their desk and out over the horizon of Fort Meade or walking out the door and encountering such and such weather. To me, it doesn't add much. I guess some people really like that sort of flavor, particularly in a book with anything to do about espionage. And so that's fine, I guess. It does make the book a bit longer than it needs to be, in my view. Bamford doesn't really delve deeply into Netanyahu's uh, role as part of the nuclear smuggling ring called Project Pinto. He does mention Project Pinto. As far as I'm aware, the first public mention uh, of the name of the Israeli operation against the United States, and I mentioned it before, but it was not because Bamford mentions it in his book. In fact, he doesn't mention Benjamin Netanyahu's role at all, which for me is a serious uh, oversight. Uh, so that's that's a problem. It's really, I think, an even better uh, place to start looking at the fallout between Milchin and his very close friend Netanyahu, because it fell from such heights of their bromance as two gunslingers uh, utterly looting the United States of some of its most important export-controlled items to the point where they are now ratting each other out in court. So, you know, if you want to really talk about the fall from grace, uh, I think you got to start from higher than Bamford did. And then uh, something that really doesn't work for me is Bamford's claim that, you know, a number of formerly classified documents about things such as the NUMEC diversion and Project Pinto have been released, allowing him to go into details. Well, those things, I think he used the word, became available. They, these documents did not just become available. Uh, IRMEP supporters spent thousands of dollars to support our lawsuits against the Central Intelligence Agency and the FBI to get those documents released. And while we're not looking for credit in books like Bamford's, I think it's important to realize that none of these documents are ever just released into the wild by the FBI or CIA of their biggest counterintelligence failures because most of the time they don't really want that stuff to get out. Or at least they know that if they do release it, their political appointee overlords and Congress is not going to like it. So uh, no, those documents don't just winnow their way out of the lock boxes at the CIA or FBI. It takes court cases. It takes staring down rows of CIA lawyers and making a case to a judge to get that stuff out there. So didn't like that much. But overall, I think it is extremely important for Americans to read this book and particularly the nine chapters dealing with ongoing, continual Israel and Israel lobby covert operations 
against the United States, it will give you a completely different view about what's really going on and even some clues about what to do about it. So this is Grant Smith. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy Spy Fail.